0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans.
1: Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade and I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and the solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it as always, and I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Well, Brian, here we are together on the radio with about nine days left in the year 2019. Then we welcome in the second edition of the Roaring Twenties. Now, I don't know too much about the original Roaring Twenties other than the fact that there were about three recessions in there. One very bad depression and prohibition and all that. So I'm really hoping that the upcoming Roaring Twenties are going to be a lot better than the first one. And all indications are so far that it's going to be a very good decade. What do you think about it?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Roaring Twenties, most of the decade, of course, was an economic boom. We were post-industrialization, post-World War One, so we are kind of at a, a lower point. And then, obviously, uh, the manufacturing took off with the cars being manufactured, the Model T, and then you had oil coming on board and so forth and a lot of new industries. I love there's, there's a documentary out there about the Rockefeller, Carnegie, mm-hmm. you know, those folks and J.P. Morgan and so forth. And it's really fascinating about how that time would just changed everything for the entire world going forward. But, yeah, they were roaring along quite well. Uh, Things were going great economically. And then the crash, uh, Black Tuesday in 1929, started the Great Depression, of course. And that was a very, very low point. took World War II to kind of take us out. It's always interesting to me how a war can help with anything economically Mm because that's just obviously a big waste of human uh, capital both lives and and money in the end, but uh, it did get things being produced and an activity going. Uh, it's not the best activity for sure. Nope. Not, let's not do that. If you're listening, you're a politician, please yeah. don't put us into a war to, to bring us out of a doldrum, but it did kickstart it. But the, yeah, the 20s for the most part, nine of the years were quite good. Uh, a lot of the stock market rules came out from that debacle because the thing that created the, the stock market crash was leverage. You were able to put 5% down and buy stock. That's all you needed was 5%. And so when the stock market Crashed thirteen point one percent on Black Tuesday. People were in the negative, and then they got the margin calls, and they go, "Well, I don't have any money to give you. I I gave you all my money, and now I, that's gone, and I'm in the hole. But I can't make that up. And so uh, with that five percent rule, the thing collapsed. The market collapsed. Who was going to make up those losses? And and then everything collapsed from there. Fast forward to the Great Recession of two thousand eight. We didn't seem to learn our lesson. Instead of having five percent down requirement to buy a house, I had a government insured loan on it, you can get loans for nothing down. So guess what? It happened again. Not in the same scale but close. We almost went into a depression. I remember listening to George Bush at a private event I was at in D.C., and he, he was getting all kinds of different input from his advisors whether to bail the banks out, which was very unpopular or not. But he said, I, I don't know if I prevented a recession, a depression from happening, but I know we didn't go into a depression, so I'm glad I bailed him out. That was his comment that I heard. You know, I thought, well, that's probably pretty accurate. So yeah, the 20s, they changed the rules after the crash. Instead of five percent down, you had to have 50 percent down at all times, 50 percent equity in your margin accounts. And so that was a big change on all the rules for financial advisors. All the rules I studied to get my license
1: were from the rules that were created in 1933 and 1934. So in the first Roaring Twenties, though, I understand that there were three recessions during those Twenties, but they weren't really terribly deep recessions. So hopefully we've learned something from the first Roaring Twenties. Now, the first Roaring Twenties was sort of the industrial age. What do you see the next Roaring Twenties being? I mean, is this a technology age? Absolutely. It's the technology
2: age. And now the technology age is going to be very different
1: from the industrial
2: age. The industrial age is making stuff. And the technology age goes well beyond that industry. It's kind of like looking at, okay, where where are the companies going to be that are going to produce? Are they U.S. companies? Are they foreign companies? Well, U.S. companies are selling globally. And so they're affected by markets all around the world. So you can apply that to technology. Because technology advancements isn't just, hey, we're going to have more apps to pick from and, and buy on our phone. It's going to change energy, how it's produced and how solar is produced and how, you know, all these different cars are made in the future and so forth. It's going to affect healthcare dramatically. It's it's affected manufacturing, 3D manufacturing and, and all of that. It affects communication, advertising, obviously, probably not so much real estate, but you almost have to work harder to find an industry where technology isn't completely changing it than you do to find uh, where it is.
1: So with your investing strategies here in the upcoming Roaring Twenties, and we hope they're roaring in a very good way, I would think that you consider all of those things and that technology companies would be the hot ones. But again, not every technology company succeeds. We were talking about computers and, you know, there were so many people who were into computers or almost any industry, it usually boils down to two or three that are left standing.
2: Yeah. And I think going forward, you know, there's going to be certain innovations that are going to come out that we're not even aware of today that will be starting to become economically very viable. And and I think it'll happen in the energy world. We're still a ways away, evidently, from that. But I think we're, we're seeing great advances in that and that's you know that's one thing I pull out of this is that people say, hey, we have to have another depression or recession. I'm I'm not sure we do necessarily. Uh, I don't think the stock market's overvalued at the moment based on the price earnings ratios being uh, right about its long term average. Corporate profits are up so much because we have this huge new middle class globally. We have low income tax rates, lower regulations, but technological advance and low interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but technological advances make it so you can really cut your costs. And produce a lot more for less money, affect a lot more people more efficiently using technology, whether it's in manufacturing or even how you're billing, I mean, or or how you're sharing information. So technology advances certainly are helping the profitability of companies going forward. And that's not slowing down. I mean, that's speeding up, not slowing down. So I I think that there's a lot of bottom line growth, uh, again, uh, also because of the number of people that we have to sell to. 20 years ago, there was about a billion people on this planet. planet that could afford goods and services, now it's probably three or four billion.
1: Yeah. And as you said, companies are enjoying some record profits at this point. Uh, I mean, the rate of joblessness is down. I mean, it looks like we're in pretty good shape here. But yet I did read an article this week that said uh, out of, I think, about 100 economists or so, that three out of four of them thought that we were due for a recession before 2021. But again, I think a lot of times they're just printing things in order to fill space in a newspaper. (laughs) And with the upcoming elections, I mean, this is going to be a crazy election. In the past, we have mentioned the fact that we didn't think that presidents really did affect the economy that much, but how do you feel about it these days considering what we have seen?
2: I'd say there's a little bit more effect than I used to give it credit for. I didn't think that necessarily previous administrations did affect the economy as much, but I I can see some huge pitfalls to certain politicians. You know, obviously I'm I'm on a show called Growing Your Wealth. I'm a financial advisor and a CPA, a business major. I don't believe in socialism, okay, in any way, shape, or form at all, okay. So Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, uh, Grandpa Bernie, uh, no. You're not getting my vote. You're not getting my support. (laughs) I just don't believe in it. But I think it would be business as usual with a lot of the folks that are are running right now, whether it's Bloomberg or Biden or Trump or whomever, be more business as usual. So I think it's more important that politicians don't get in the way of too much, you know, in, in economics, rather than having too much to say ab- about how that's going to affect itself.
1: Well, there were doomsayers too when President Trump was elected, who said that the market is going to take a big hit. And if we look back at that, it didn't at all. As a matter of fact, it went up.
2: It did, but not not right away. Uh, as the numbers are coming in, I remember watching that, going, "Oh, t- tomorrow's going to be interesting at the office," because you know the Dow was down at the time. Uh, I think it was seven or eight hundred points. And once it figured out that Trump was going to win, but that all recovered within a day. So it, it was kind of a strange thing. And then, yeah, it's been nothing but pretty much nothing but up ever since. A little step back last December, a year a year ago this month, it, S&P dropped 15 plus percent. And that was kind of scary. It like, well, that is that a precursor to recession? But it wasn't really based on anything. So one of the takeaways that I would have is if I think technology is and the things I said are good for the economy, I don't see any blurring red, blinky lights saying, oh, no, look, out, warning, warning. I don't really see that right now, and so what that would tell me is uh, if we do have some short-term blips in the you know downward trends, that I wouldn't necessarily panic and say, "Oh, we better get out of the market." Here's that recession. A lot of people did last December, and they're they're sorry they did because the market rebounded almost immediately the next month.
1: How do you feel about that buy and hold strategy? I mean, that's what we learned as kids is that you buy it and you hold it for a long period of time. Is that still a good strategy considering where the market is today or do you really look at some other things?
2: Yeah, we differentiate between buy and hold and invest versus timing the market. So buy and hold would say you buy a stock and you never change. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think that you can alternate kind of where your emphasis is in your diversifications. But the more important thing would be to not time the market. So what some people say is, well, I buy for a while and then I hold it and I sell it and I'm out and I get back in. That's, I think, where people really have problems with their portfolio. So in my opinion, now would be if, you know, whatever percentage you're comfortable with in the market, keep it in the market through the little ups and downs. Uh, because right now I don't see anything that's just jumping out at me saying that the market's set to fail. It's it's not overvalued. Profits are projected to be at all-time highs. Again, technology, interest rates, global consumer markets that are available, uh, these are all positive signs. So I, I don't see anything jumping out at me, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. I will say that. I have to <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell people, hey, everything's going to be rosy and sunshine and unicorns and all that forever because it won't be. But there's nothing obvious in, in
1: my opinion. That's a voice of Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs here on Growing Your Wealth. Glad you could join us here these few days before Christmas. On our show today, we'll continue to talk about some topical things, and among those is some information coming out of Seattle, Seattle City Council, which if you thought there was a perfect storm brewing against landlords, well, I think the tsunami, the hurricane, the tornado is uh, here at this point because this is pretty shocking stuff. So we'll talk about that and more when our show continues right after this.
0: Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. When you need something important done around the house, you call a
2: professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Madrona Financial Services is made of a team of professionals that will create a retirement plan as individual as you are and make sure your financial foundation is clear to you every step of the way. Call them today at 844-MADRONA for a no-obligation retirement readiness review. They'll learn about what you want most out of retirement, plus you'll get an investment and retirement analysis and a tax analysis. You've worked hard to earn it and save it. Take the time to have the right professionals help you keep it and grow it. Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com.
0: You own highly appreciated real estate and have decided to sell. You may be faced with limited options that could result in a substantial tax bill. Now, there may be another option. It's called a DST, and it can offer the benefits of real estate ownership without all of the baggage. Brian Evans and his team at Madrona Financial Services are available to see if a DST could be right for you. Call 844 Madrona to learn if you can invest in real estate without the hassles of being a landlord. You won't be responsible for the debt or management, yet, you may still receive passive income. Best of all, the DST program offers a ready-made solution that may satisfy your 1031 exchange requirements, which could provide full tax deferral on the sale of your investment property. Call the team at Madrona Financial Services right now at 844-MADRONA to learn more about DSTs and if they are right for you. That's 844-MADRONA, or visit them at madronafinancial.com. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now... Here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona
2: Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about some new
1: proposals
2: from the Seattle City Council as it relates to landlords.
1: And Brian, this is interesting. I came across this article and, you know, we were talking about the perfect storm brewing for landlords in Seattle. The fact that down in Oregon, they were introducing rent control. Of course, California was pretty much sweeping the West Coast. But it seems that that perfect storm has grown into more of a hurricane or a tsunami or a tornado. NATO or whatever you want here, because what I'm seeing now is Seattle City Council members are proposing policies for landlords that can only be interpreted to mean that they think all rental housing in Seattle is public housing. Explain that a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's been some tough rules passed for landlords in Seattle. First, uh, they have to rent to the first qualified applicant, not the best qualified applicant. So, for instance, if you're hiring somebody and and, uh, you know you're going to get a lot of resumes, you you basically, the first resume comes in, you got to say, well, I guess you get the job. Secondly, you can't do a criminal background check. So that's been around. And so, gee, okay, uh, now you've got maybe somebody whose offense was they never pay their rent or I I don't know what it is or they trash their place. Well, uh, you got to just kind of put them in there. And the rules now allow up to eight unrelated people to occupy even a small house. So you might have an idea, you know, you bought a rental house in Seattle and, and you fix it up and you put a lot of sweat equity and make it really nice. And then you've got eight adults living there and kids and dogs and things that you didn't plan on and uh, it's not working out too good because the rents that you're receiving. I've been a landlord in this situation before and the rents I was receiving did not cover the damage that was being done to the house. The damage was more expensive. But now Kashama Swant is proposing that landlords cannot evict a tenant for failure to pay rent from November 1st through March 31st. Wow. That is
1: really unbelievable that you can go five months without paying rent And you're not going to be evicted for doing that. To me, it seems like that your private housing is becoming public housing. And basically, we're just allowing theft these days.
2: Yeah, it is confiscation. And there's a lot of things that trouble me about this. Now, obviously, we have a housing problem in Seattle, a huge housing problem. A lot of that's because of the prices that have gone up so much. We have some very profitable businesses here. And, you know, that's driven up the the cost. And it's been hard for landlords. I mean, it's by making it tough on landlords the unintended consequences, it's harder to build affordable housing because of all the, the costs. But there's a lot of things that that I that troubled me about this. The first one is I believe that if, if you're a government and you have a problem and it's a public problem, then maybe the solution should come out of your budget <laughs> and not out of selecting someone in particular to solve that problem. So if they're saying, okay, Landlord, you aren't going to get mortgage. You're not going to get rent payments. I, I don't know. Generally, they have mortgage payments. So where's that money supposed to come from? They don't have any rent coming in in these cases, and so uh, and they might have more damage, and there's nothing they can do about it. So they've the Seattle City Council has said, all right, landlord, it's your problem. Housing is your problem. You're going to pay for it. We're going to confiscate your income to pay for it. And I just don't think that's fair.
1: Yeah, this is really unprecedented at this point. And, you know, these apartment buildings many times are not owned by large corporations either. Many times they're owned by private investors, private individuals. It could be mom and pops. I mean, and maybe they bought these buildings, they've got a mortgage on them, and they rely upon the rents that they're getting to pay those mortgages. Or maybe they're retired, and this is part of the only income that they have, and to to have to go five months during the wintertime without any sort of payments whatsoever. I mean, to me, it's just like going into a clothing store and, and stealing from them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where it stops because there are certain uh, things people need. They need food, shelter, and clothing. Well, why doesn't Seattle City Council say that uh, clothing stores can't charge more than a certain amount? And if you're cold during these cold months, uh, you can't charge at all. You just walk in, and take stuff off the rack. Why can't you just go into a restaurant and say, you know, I'm hungry, I need to eat? and just say, you, you need to feed me. I, I'm not going to pay you. Seattle City Council says, I don't have to pay you uh, because I need to eat and you're going to have to pay it. You're going to have to cook that for me. I need a place to stay. Uh, you're going to give it to me. I am I'm no, I'm, I don't have to pay the rent. Seattle City Council says, I don't have to pay that rent. So, you know, where does it stop? I think that's the biggest problem. You can't just go after a particular business and say, you're going to have to give away your stuff so that people can have it. And the city, Seattle City Council, you know, they have all this, this taxation uh, money coming in and uh, well maybe they should pay that rent maybe they should subsidize that kind of stuff it's it's them that it's their problem and maybe they need to figure out how to get the corporations involved in, in helping solve this or how to build the affordable housing whatever but putting it on the landlords is just absolutely mind-boggling to me.
1: Now, we understand that sometimes people fall upon hard times. And, you know, we're not talking about throwing those people out on the street just because they have fallen on hard times. But still, as you said, people have mortgages to pay. I mean, people who own these things need the income in order to live. But it would occur to me that this particular proposal would also encourage those people who are serial offenders. I mean, they can live free for five months here and go to another apartment the next year and live free. And just keep repeating that.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's usually the unintended consequences. I mean, everybody can look at this and say, well, you know, you don't want to throw people out on the streets when it's cold out. Well, of course not. I I, I want everybody to have food and shelter and clothing and opportunity and and all that kind of thing. But when you mandate that certain people are going to pay for it, that uh, you make it, uh, disproportional to them, uh, the unintended consequences, no one's going to want to be a landlord. <laughs> you know, who wants to do that? And, and they're not going to, if you do a rent control, for instance, and that's the other ones coming down the pike, I'm telling you, that's going to come here. It's already in place in Oregon and California. That's next rent control. So now they're saying how much you can charge. And I'm thinking, okay, where does that end? And now you're telling the landlord, you can't screen anybody. You, you can't force them to pay. And if the ones that are paying, you maybe can't raise the rent. Uh, and even if you want to have more rent to repair, you know, make the place nicer. Uh, why don't we tell the grocery store how much they can charge for milk and eggs and, and groceries? Uh, people need food. Maybe we should control the price that they charge. Maybe we should tell Nordstrom's how much they can charge for a sweater. Some might want a sweater from there i mean where does it end when you start getting this, you know, granular on, and, and they keep seeming to go back to the, the landlord. So we're, I'm having this discussion because, you know, we talked DSTs on this show, Delaware Statutory Trust, and I think that's going to be a, a broader discussion going
1: forward. Yeah, and again, landlords aren't all rich corporate people. So if you are listening to this program right now and you're afraid of this brewing storm coming, you've got maybe a rental property or two, and maybe you're up there in age a little bit, you're thinking about maybe getting out of it, is this a good time to get out of? owning this rental property and being an active landlord, do you think?
2: I absolutely do think that. If you own rental property in Seattle, unless you're a developer and and, and creating new wealth all the time doing that, that's fine. But if you've kind of gotten what you want out of it, you know the price has gone up. It's gone way up. You've held it. And, and uh, you know, if you sell it, there's going to be a big tax penalty on that then why not solve that? Uh, Usually with the Delaware Statutory Trust, your cash flow in your pocket after doing the sale of your property and reinvesting into one of these uh, tax deferred and potentially eliminated down the road, your cash flow actually goes up significantly. I'm seeing this over and over and over where they, uh, these, the the clients I'm talking to are just blown away. They're saying, well, wait a second, Brian. So in the final analysis, I can sell my property in Seattle at the top of the market. I mean, just the top of the market. I can do it before all these rent control and eviction law changes to make it really difficult for landlords. I can do this all before then. I can diversify into newer property and different property types in different parts of the country, the parts of the country that are growing the most, like the Sunbelt states. I can do all this. I can retire from being a landlord, have more time, less risk, and way more cash flow too. I'm like, yeah that's kind of what it is. And so that is what I'm proposing here, uh, that, that if you own real estate, and, and I want to make this real clear, I, I do think now is that time. I mean, I, I more than it's ever been, now is a better time to sell if you own rentals in Seattle than it's ever been. Prices have never been higher and the rules coming down the pike have never been more scary for the landlord. So why not look into this now and don't put your head in the sand anymore. Now's the time to come out go I need to address this and learn about these DSTs now and make a good decision. Get that get that going before we have a drop in the market
1: from rent control or other reasons. And Brian, I have more questions about Delaware statutory trust in terms of the underlying investment and the icing on the cake, which would be the tax advantages, but not enough time in this segment to get to those. Once again, if you want to know more information about Delaware statutory trust, maybe you are an active landlord right now and you're thinking about uh, getting away from this brewing storm that's just about to hit you and hit you hard, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, and request an appointment to come and sit down and talk about Delaware Statutory Trust and the 1031 Exchange. Also, for our loyal listeners today, we're offering a complimentary financial plan. Maybe you've gotten a plan from some other financial advisors, or maybe you don't have a plan yet. You want to talk about your situation and where you're headed into retirement. Call 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, for your confidential and complimentary financial plan. No cost, no obligation whatsoever. And you can also request your financial plan online at madronafinancial.com. Thanks for joining us here in Growing Your Wealth. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk Delaware statutory trusts. All that and more when our show continues after
0: this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. A dip in the market, like we've seen
2: lately, could cost you years of retirement income, and it's unnecessary. This is Brian Evans, President and CEO of Madrona Financial Services. Today we see how investments can erode based on events here and around the world. But there's no doubt that people with better plans will be far less affected. So here are the four don'ts about investing in times like these. Don't panic. Don't get hung up on talk of a correction. Don't think anyone knows what's going to happen next. And don't be complacent. Now here's your one do. Call Madrona Financial Services today, especially if you're at or near retirement. Our team specializes in retirement planning and can guide you to manage your risk no matter what's around the corner. Call us at 844-MADRONA. Our team will review your retirement plan in two one-hour meetings. It's quick, it's easy, and it just might add years of income to your retirement. Give us a call at 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com.
1: Do you know how to provide a 30-year retirement plan with a 40-year career? The number of Americans who live to 100 will increase by 10 times in the next 30 years. The facts are you could live longer than you thought, and the last thing you need is to run out of income when you need it the most. A plan that takes longevity into account increases the odds that you'll be financially able to do what you love with the people you love for the rest of your life. Call Madrona Financial Services now at 844-MADRONA. They'll work with you to help your 40-year career finance your next 30 or more years. The economy, our lifespan, and retirement have changed drastically since the time we entered the workforce. Have your retirement and tax strategies kept up? Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for a complete no-obligation retirement readiness review. Your retirement income plan should last as long as you do, and Madrona Financial Services can help you get there with a customized plan that suits you. Call right now for your retirement review at 844-MADRONA or visit them online at
0: madronafinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and
2: Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about Delaware statutory trusts in light of the Seattle City Council coming out with the thought of
1: disallowing evictions in all of the colder months. That's right, Brian. We mentioned that there were five months in which you cannot evict someone for not paying rent. And that's, to me, is the most of it, but also you have to consider, too, that you have to rent to the first qualified applicant. That means that financially on paper that they're qualified to rent your apartment, but you can't do a criminal background check. So they may have enough money for your apartment, but they may have some uh, serious legal problems that they've been involved with, uh, personality disorders. I think could have committed some uh, crimes there that you may not want to have them in your apartment building. It all points to the fact that with uh, looming rent control on the horizon, that there's never been a better time if you're an active, landlord to get out of owning those apartments and getting into a Delaware Statutory Trust where you're still in real estate, but you don't have to actively manage those. It's passive real estate investing. Now, Brian, I wanted to talk about the process for doing this. I can't just sell my rental real estate property, get that money, and give it to you and say, Brian, put me in a Delaware statutory trust. Just doesn't work that way, does it?
2: No, it does not work that way, and it's not for everybody either. There are certain people I talk to, and after getting done talking to them, I said, I don't, I don't think you should do a Delaware statutory trust, and I'll give them the reasons why. And and there's several reasons that it could be. You know, maybe you need liquidity. Maybe you don't know what else you do with your time, and you love being a landlord. Maybe. You have opportunities to make a ton of money. Maybe you're a control freak. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but you just can't stand the fact of someone else being in charge of your real estate. Okay, these are all valid reasons not to do it. But there's some very valid reasons to do it. One is the Seattle prices and the Puget Sound prices of real estate are certainly very high, and and we have something called a cap rate. A cap rate is the rate of return someone requires when they buy it. The lower that that return that they require, the more money they're willing to pay for it. And right now we have a, a record low cap rate for our regions. So people are willing to essentially, in my opinion, overpay for properties. Now, the value of those properties could drop if that proposed rent control comes along our way and most certainly will will drop. And if this new proposal on evictions goes through, which it hasn't yet, but people in charge say it's going to. So I'm, I I believe them. And so, yeah, I, when I look at the timing, I think the timing is great to look into the DST. Now, the process you asked about, uh, the process is you've looked into it, you've had a conversation with us, and you go, huh, yeah, that is something I want to do. I don't want to pay the income tax. I want better uh, real estate in other parts of the country. I want better cash flow. I don't want to be a landlord. I want to re- preserve my step-up in basis, etc. cetera. Many, many uh, positive attributes. So you've had that meeting, and you said, yes, that's what I want to do. The next thing you do is you list your real estate with a licensed real estate agent. Uh, to get the best price. prior Then you get somebody to offer you and you accept the offer. Great. And then uh, prior to it closing, you contact us as your financial advisor and we set you up with a qualified intermediary. That's either a title company or a lawyer that will receive the funds at closing and purchase your replacement properties. So you, you, sell, you sell your property next, the money goes to the qualified intermediary. Prior to closing, we've gotten together with you. We've selected the reinvestment properties that we want to do and the amount into each one. So maybe you got a million dollar sale. We might, you know, buy four different investments in Delaware Statutory Trusts. You might do two in different apartment buildings, uh, one might have multiple apartment buildings, you might do one in some retail leases or some student housing and do another one in self storage or something else. So we would select uh, together how you want your proceeds reinvested. So at this point it's pretty easy. You list your property for sale, you call us, we get we, we kind of do all the vetting and and meeting with you. At closing, the money goes to qualified intermediary, and because we've already had our meetings, we've put together the paperwork and selected the reinvestment. You reinvest that; they reinvest that money. The QI does, and uh, now you own real estate uh, that's your partial owner in in Delaware statutory trust. Then that next month, you start getting your share of the rent. You know, you got a rent payment coming in for your share, and you just get that money every month until they sell, and they will sell in years four through ten and they generally start to ladder if you have multiple ones. And so one will come due and you'll say you'll have plenty of time ahead of time. And then as that comes due, you probably want to do another 1031 exchange into another Delaware statutory trust so you can continue to defer and potentially eliminate the income tax.
1: Now, Brian, let's say that I inherited or I own for some reason some what I'll call undesirable property. It's undesirable to me because I don't want to plant a crop or something on some acreage. I've got some farmland. Maybe I inherited a vineyard or maybe there's an apple orchard or something like that. I'm not 70 years of age, but I still just do not want to get involved in that business. The 1031 exchange says that I have to exchange it for like-kind property. Can I indeed take that farmland and exchange that for some sort of property that I want to be into?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Like-kind exchange, I wish they'd strike those words from the code. It's not really like. Like just means that it's investment property for investment real estate for investment real estate. So you can have a rental house or apartment building or a winery or raw land, a farm, Apartment building, self storage, office building, mineral rights, le- long term leased real estate, industrial park, strip mall, and go on, mobile home park. All of these are investment real estate. And all of them, uh, DST, let me throw DST in there. It's just another piece of investment real estate there. They're all considered the same thing. So those are all, uh, to do an analogy, those are all apples. You could trade any one of those apples for any other apple. So those are the apples, but let me tell you what the oranges are. The oranges—I like this analogy, by the way, Jeff. Yeah. This, this—so do
1: I. This is this is my work Comparing here. Comparing apples to oranges. Yeah,
2: it's the first time I tried it. The orange would be your principal residence. That's not investment real estate or a vacation home that you spend uh, a month every year at. That's not considered investment real estate for uh, like-kind of exchange purposes. A business, uh, stocks. Uh, investment in REITs, real estate investment trusts, those are oranges. Investment, uh, a corporation that owns real estate, that's an orange. A partnership, an LLC that uh, you know that owns uh, real estate, that's an orange. Uh, you're not investing in a like-kind property. So the the apples in this case are all those different property types I mentioned that you can invest into. DSTs are just another one of them. So you could actually sell a rental house, buy a winery, sell the winery, buy a DST, sell the DST, go back to buying a rental house again. These are all 1031 exchanges, apples for apples.
1: So there's something for everyone in there. Let's say someone is listening to this and they really like the idea of the Delaware Statutory Trust and owning a variety of different types of real estate, storage units, and medical facilities and all that sort of thing, but they're not selling some highly appreciated uh, property. They don't have something like that that they're really trying to gain some tax advantages on. Can you simply just invest in a Delaware Statutory Trust without selling another piece of property?
2: Yeah, you can. You can invest cash. And so maybe you're just looking at the market saying, well, I think the market's too high. I think bonds don't pay very much. I've looked into fixed index annuities. Maybe they're appropriate for some of my investment, but not all of it. I want something that has potentially good yield and you know that I think is a good investment. You can just buy into this real estate, not be the landlord and hold it that way too. You do not have to put cash. I understand that the investment in the DST is illiquid. You You're not going to get that money back or have access to it for probably between four and 10 years.
1: So the investments are generally from four until 10 years. And like you said, you can ladder these investments, too. You can maybe start one now. You can start one in a couple of years. As you said, you know, there are any number of different ways that you can structure a Delaware Statutory Trust. Now, it also occurred to me that, you know, things happen. Let's say that I get into a Delaware Statutory Trust that is a a 10-year holding. That's a little longer than usual, but then I die in year five. What happens then?
2: Yeah. If you uh, pass away, the DSTs that you own can go to your heirs. Let's say they, your your spouse has already passed away too, and they're going to go to your kids. One of the things I've been asked is, well, they can't get their money right away, can they? I said, no, they can't. But maybe that's a good thing. Think about it. If they're inheriting a bunch of money, is it better that they inherit every dime of it all on the same day? Or maybe it makes some sense to inherit some and then you know every year or two or three, one of those DSTs comes to fruition. They can take that money. They've got the step up in basis. So there's no probably no income tax owed on it. They can take all that cash, not pay income tax, and it kind of gets laddered out. And so they receive it at different times. And so I, I think that's actually preferable. For uh, you know, leaving legacy planning than than just leaving everything all at once. Uh, most people can't handle big windfalls
1: uh, too well. So with the Delaware Statutory Trust, as you said, you know, you're investing into uh, real estate in other markets, uh, typically Sunbelt states that do not have these rent control laws and some of the uh, onerous uh, laws that are going to be happening here to Seattle landlords. So you have some properties to pick in other states. However, there are really not a lot of choices, are there, as far as really good properties go? And do and when there are good choices, do they go relatively quickly?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. There's about 40 sponsors out there, and we vetted it down to about six that we use. So that limits it right there. Some of them don't have one available at all times. Some might have two or three available. And the really good ones, they don't last that long. You're right. Once they get their investment money that they put up initially... Once they've gotten that back, they close it to new investors and then they just property manage it from there on out. So we stay up on the good ones and what's available and how much equity is in there. And maybe we can put a reservation in on it. If your closing is a week out, we can reserve it, you know, so that someone else can't snatch it up. But yeah, that's we're constantly, these things are constantly rotating. So we're constantly reviewing the new DSTs uh, coming, what's out there. We know and uh, we have to react pretty quickly because they don't, if they're good, they don't stick around.
1: So if you think a Delaware statutory trust might be a good exit strategy for you, that is exiting out of managing your own real estate and getting into real estate that someone else manages, but you still get the rent, call Madrona Financial Services and request an appointment to talk about Delaware statutory trusts. Again, no cost, no obligation for that. That number is 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Thanks for joining us here for Growing Your Wealth. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some gifting rules. All that and more when our show comes back right after this.
0: Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Hi, this is Brian
2: Evans, president of Madrona Financial Services. As a CPA and wealth manager, I've had lots of clients who owned highly appreciated real estate. And when it was time to sell that property, they all ran into the same problem, a huge tax bill. Up to now, some of their only options were to either follow the strict requirements of a 1031 exchange for another property, or pay the hefty tax on the gain. We have access to another option to help our clients. It's called a DST. With a DST, you can still receive the benefits of property ownership like passive income, but you won't be responsible for all the debt or management. And best of all, a DST may meet the qualifications for your 1031 exchange. Now you can potentially defer the tax hit on your highly appreciated property and still get the benefits of investing in real estate. Call us today at 844-MADRONA to learn more about our DST program or visit us online at Madrona Financial. Financial.com.
1: DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents.
0: If you've created wealth through owning your own business or through real estate investments, you're living the American dream, at least until you want to retire. Before you take any advice about selling your income producing assets, stop and consider the tax implications and investment opportunities available to you. Brian Evans and his team at Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs want to help teach you about those opportunities. So give them a call at 844-MADRONA. As business owners, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors, you deserve and need more services than the average investor. That's where Madrona comes in. They're a fully staffed financial advisory and CPA firm. Whether it's helping with the business succession plan or creating tax and income smart alternatives for selling your investment properties, they can help. Call today to schedule your no obligation meeting with one of Madrona's CPAs or advisors at 844 Madrona or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's M A D R O N A financial.com. Financial planning and CPAs under one roof. That's Madrona Financial Services. Welcome back to the show.
2: I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about gifting rules as we get near the end of the year, and people are doing lots of gifts.
1: That's right, Brian. Do you have loved ones that you'd like to give money to this year? Maybe it's Christmas, or have you received a cash gift yourself? Well, know the rules regarding taxes on gifts for the 2019 gift year. So, Brian, the general rule is that any gift is subject to the federal gift tax, but there are some exceptions, right?
2: That's right, and uh, it gets a little deeper than that. And it's probably not as scary once you've heard this. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, boy, if I receive a gift or an inheritance, I've, I've got to pay tax on that. Or if they give money away, they got to pay tax. I have not seen a lot of people that ever actually physically write a check for a gift or inheritance. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of exceptions that we could talk about
1: here. So if you are a single person, I understand that you can receive up to $15,000 a person without having to file a gift tax return. And if you're married, your spouse can also receive a $15,000 gift?
2: Actually, that's reverse because you can get the person that is required to file the return is actually the giver, okay, not the recipient. You can receive all the money you want. Someone else has to pay that tax, whether it was an inheritance. So uh, somebody passed away and there was an estate tax due. The estate's supposed to pay that tax before they give you your money. You're supposed to get your money without any additional taxes being owed. Uh, same thing with a gift. The gift and estate tax rules are the same, by the way. It's under the same law. It's the gift and estate tax rules. And so that's, that's an interesting caveat here. But yeah, the, the first exemption is 15000 a year. So if, if a husband and wife want to give somebody some money, their kid money or whomever, they can give $30,000 to that person. This is not charitable gifting. Charitable gifting, there's no limitations. And you can get deductions in certain situations but this is a a personal gift. And so they could give 15,000 each or $30,000 a year per person.
1: So Brian, that's rather interesting. Now, how can this be part of your estate plan though?
2: Well, I wanna talk about the estate plan or the estate tax limitations. First thing is, let's say that you didn't live in Washington. You lived in a a different state. We'll come back to Washington. But you didn't live in Washington. All you had to deal with was the federal estate tax. Well, the federal estate tax doesn't kick in until you have $11.4 million. And so if you were to give money away during your lifetime, that can start eating into 11.4 million dollars. So let's, here's the example I would use. Let's say that husband and wife decided to give their kid $130,000. Well, we just said the $30,000 of that is exempt, but the 100,000 isn't. So now they owe tax on the 100,000. However, that tax rate is zero. Because all that hundred thousand dollars does, and all the filing says, is we were able to uh, give away or leave at death eleven point four million. Now we've nipped into that a little bit. Now we've used a hundred grand of that. So now we can only die or give away during our lifetime eleven 3 million. And so the gift tax return makes you uh, say, now I don't have 11.4, I have an 11.3. Well, for most people, that doesn't matter. That's fine, you can give away as much as you want. File the gift tax return, so what? You're not worth 11.4? And a married couple could actually do twice that amount, 22.8 million combined, if they have the proper provisions in their will. So why do we care? Well, the state of Washington, they did not go with the federal number of 11.4 per person. The state of Washington's number is $2,193,000, <laughs> uh, just under $2.2 million, wow. And anything over that can be subject to this Washington estate tax. But the interesting thing about the gifting is, let's say, back to our example, the $100,000 taxable gift. Do you have to tell the state of Washington about that? No, you do not. So... $100,000, $130,000 just left your estate. And let's say, you you know, your husband and wife are worth 6 or $7 million, and they're going to be subject to that estate tax. Well, they've just taken $130,000 out of their estate. It will never be subject to that estate tax. So that is a way to save in the state of Washington on estate tax through gifting.
1: I had to chuckle there a little bit because I'm always amazed that you know these figures in your head. <laughs> you came out with that figure, and I was like, wow, that's the accountant part of you that is speaking right there.
2: Yeah, it, w- it wasn't really successful at uh, funny girls to date in college knowing all this stuff. But hey, it helped me later on in life for other things. But that's right. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a very nice way to say I'm a, I'm a, I am ai have a very high nerd quotient,
1: but I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, you could teach CPA as a second language, I guess. <laughs> now, as we said, the estate tax exclusion is $11.4 million for individuals, $22.8 million for couples in the 2019 tax year. But I understand that there are some changes coming possible that it's going to drop in 2026 a bit?
2: Well, that's the thing about this. I mean, estate planning, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to do all my estate planning. did it 10 years ago and I'm done. I don't have to do a darn thing about it because this is a moving target. These goalposts uh, always move. Uh, I remember when the estate tax exemption was 600000 forever, and then they finally changed the law, and it, it got up to a million, and then it was $2 million and three and, a half million. and then one year, there was no estate tax, period. Mm -hmm. It was completely eliminated. So some people passed away that were billionaires. They paid zero estate tax, their estate did. Uh, Then it came back to these new numbers. Well, if we get new people in office, uh, certainly those numbers could change dramatically one way or the other. So probably good to do some estate tax planning now because we don't know what those rates are and those uh, exemptions are going to be.
1: Now, I understand that the gift has to be given by December 31st of this year, but gift checks also must be deposited by December 31st to count for the 2019 tax year. So if you're getting a gift, someone gives you a check, you may want to say, do you mind if I just get this in cash?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if if you want to, if you're worried about the federal estate tax, again... uh call me up, that means you have a lot of money, and I'd love to be your financial advisor, obviously. but uh, And we'll do lots of great planning here. But uh, yeah, certainly each, each calendar year is what dictates. And so you could give somebody a gift on December, you know, last week in December and the first week of January, well, they're in two different calendar years, so they're not added together.
1: That's right. So don't give that gift on New Year's Eve, better to give it on Christmas there and make sure that they cash that check by December 31st. We're talking about how much you can gift tax-free here on Growing Your Wealth. So Brian, what can high net worth individuals do to reduce their estate taxes?
2: Oh, yeah. There's some great strategies out there for that. And that's that's where I get to have some fun, especially dovetailing that with the investment strategy. So being you know, a CPA firm and investment advisor, we get to put the two together. And that's a critical piece of this. One way is to use these gifting rules and to max out gifts into a trust. The trust can accumulate assets and grow assets. And these are assets that are leaving the taxable estate for this high net worth individual. You're you're referring to. So they won't be taxed at 40 percent or whatever that estate tax rate is going to be down the road. Certainly could be much higher. Uh, Some of the politicians want 98 percent of it or 99 or 105. I don't know what they want. They want it, though. If you got it, they want it. And so you have to protect against that. So you can put it into trust, and then that trust could grow those assets. And the trust is not you. And so when you pass away, uh, it is not one of your assets. So it doesn't get the estate tax. So that's a great way to do it. You can gift minority interests in partnerships or LLCs. You can apply the minority discount and the, the, what they call a lack of marketability discount to those, meaning that you could give uh, money away or value away. You don't even have to give cash. They just own a percentage of that. And you can actually go higher than the typical limits due to these discounts. And that's kind of beyond the scope of this discussion. But we can do it using life insurance policies that grow income tax-free and are income tax-free at your passing because life insurance is exempt from income tax. We can take loans against these policies that are income tax-free also. There's so many great opportunities for high net worth people. If you're with the right person. And, and when I say the right person, it's difficult to get the right advice out there. I found a lot of people come to me and say, well, I talked to my CPA, but my CPA doesn't understand the products. And the guy with the products didn't understand the rules as well. So they didn't really work together so well. And that's why, you know, Madrona Financial, Bauer Evans has a distinct advantage. We got 30 people in the two firms and we're, we're cross-pollinated here. We, we understand, you know, we're CPAs that are financial advisors, so we can help with all the aspects of it.
1: So high net worth individuals have some unique circumstances that you can help them with here at Madrona Financial Services and some unique needs when it comes to philanthropy. You talked about trusts there, but let's say that I want to leave a legacy. My business wants to leave a legacy or my family wants to leave, leave a legacy. Are there other things that you can set up for my business or my family that will keep the charitable causes going?
2: Absolutely, you can do a private charitable foundation, donor advised funds. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, we, you know, and if you're going to do it, you might as well uh, have good tax ramifications come out of it too. That's just part of the uh, legacy planning. Uh, legacy planning goes way beyond just the taxes too i mean we certainly want to talk about that and make sure that, that that's taken care of because you worked hard for your money and and uh, you took the risks and and now it's grown to be a, a large amount hc half of that just leave because you didn't do some planning and and whether that planning is for your kids or you know your your legacy that way or charities or a combination of the two it might be preferable that you can max that out a uh, net of tax so that's something we can help people with but a big thing that i run into a lot is helping talk about trust with people that maybe have kids that aren't real good with money or they're concerned about that or they want uh, multi-generational transfers. They've, they've seen the stats that that uh, 80% of households that have over $20 million, that money doesn't last more than one generation. And so they want that to be the case. And so there's a lot of other things that we can do, protections that you can put in place in your trust uh, wording. We work with your attorneys and we help with the estate planning and the product placement on the investment side too, to make sure you get the best result.
1: So if you're feeling philanthropic and you want to leave something left as a legacy besides just dollars in your bank account, and you want your causes to live on after you're gone. Again, consider a trust, a donor-advised fund, or maybe even a foundation. Bill Gates has a foundation, which is a big foundation, but still, the rules and regs would apply to you as they do to Bill Gates. And, you know, long after Bill Gates is gone, we'll remember him for a lot of things, but also the good that the Bill Gates Foundation is doing. Well, once again, Brian, we're out of time for this week. Before we go, I want to thank everyone for listening to us today and wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. The executive producer Growing Your Wealth John Capuano. Our director of program operations is the cookie monster Greg Dennett. Our show is produced by the lovely, talented, and dangerous six degree black belt, our Swedish Princess Stephanie Choblum, Christy Parmenter is our associate producer, Laura McLaughlin is our content supervisor, Josh Toy is our technical editor, and Surfer Boy Pete Gusnan is our announcer. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth.
2: The Madrona Bundles services has become so popular that we started bundling everything. Hi, this is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services, to tell you about the latest thing we bundled, our books. We're proud to announce the complete book of retirement, which bundles together our guides on retirement investing, annuities, passive real estate investing, and even information for the high net worth investor into one convenient and informative book. You can get your free copy today by going to madronafinancial.com. And if you're looking for even more information on investing, you can sign up for Madrona University to continue your investor education. Of course, if you need more personalized help, you can always sign up for a complimentary review. We'll sit down to discuss your retirement plan and explain how the Madrona Bundle of Services provides you with everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Get started today by calling 844-MADRONA and don't forget to download your free copy of The Complete Book of Retirement at madronafinancial.com.
1: At Madrona Financial Services, we help people finance their retirement so they can spend their time living life instead of worrying about it. The fact of the matter is, your portfolio will likely need to last about 30 years or more. And the sooner you do something about it, the better off you can be. So if you're not 100% sure that your plan is rock solid, Call us today at 844-MADRONA for a review. It's super easy. We'll ask you a bunch of questions to find out what's most important in your life and what makes you happy. Next, we'll review your current plan and then our team will strategize on ways to make your portfolio, your tax strategy, your use of social security, and an estate plan better suited for you. At Madrona Financial Services, we want your retirement to be about living life, and we'll sweat the small stuff for you. Call us today for your free review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us at madronafinancial.com.